no matter how small you are, no matter how small your organization is, to have that skill of a UX writer on your product. Like you can't deliver a good user experience with just a designer anymore. It's become a necessity to have a UX writer on board as well. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers in Tech, a podcast that's brought to you by the UX Writing Hub. First of all, my name is Yuval Keshtecher. I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub. I invite you to check out our website, theuxwritinghub.com. We have a lot of free resources for people that want to become UX writers and content designers, a free course, a blog, and also this podcast. And today we have a fantastic guest. Her name is Sherry Samtani. And Sherry works at an amazing company, to be honest, named Halodoc as a lead UX writer. Sherry, how are you? I'm good. Nice to speak to you again, Yuval. So nice to take this call. So tell me, how, what was your journey of becoming a UX writer? So my journey of becoming a UX writer, I think I was doing content and like website copywriting for a really long time. I was doing a lot of freelance projects and I'd get hired by digital agencies to do freelance. And maybe about three years ago, so about a year and a half before I started the UX Writing Hub, I, I started getting a lot more UX writing projects. But maybe because it was it's Asia, especially in Indonesia, UX writing is a relatively new skill. I got a lot of projects on the ground running from my copywriting experience, from my content writing experience. And because of that... I didn't necessarily need the skills, but when COVID happened and obviously it wasn't that easy to get freelance projects anymore, I needed to upskill myself. So yeah, I joined your class, which was very, which I was very grateful for because it taught me so much about the basics and the foundations of what makes good writing. And, you know, it's also opened me up to a network of other UX writers across the globe who constantly share resources. And yeah, it's just a nice community to be a part of. Amazing. You just told me that you have a quarterly meeting with uh, your cohort. Tell me more about it because I, to be honest, I didn't know about that. Yeah, so it's just, honestly, it's just five or six of us who keep in touch after the program and everyone's at different projects. And yeah, we have a couple of us who, who take the initiative and keep a group chat going on. And we try to catch up every quarter just to catch up with where everyone's at. And I think in this last year as well, it's been really, really strange how we've all gone in really different directions in UX writing, you know, because there's once you're in the world of UX, like there's so many directions in which you can go. It's just the beginning, right? Learning the skills. So tell me more about it. So your direction is with Alodoc. Tell us more about Alodoc and what exactly are you doing as a company, but what other directions do people in the cohorts took? So Halodoc is a healthcare digital platform. We're actually the leading healthcare platform in Indonesia. So we have a bunch of health, digital healthcare services, like we have online consultations and we have medicine delivery within 60 minutes to any of the major cities in Indonesia. We have lab tests, end-to-end -end healthcare services. We even have an insurance platform, which you can use for digital healthcare services. So I got into that actually fresh off the UX Writing Hub. I got hired as an IC for the insurance division. And they wanted me to come in and do 
insurance work for them because that is my background. I'm a heavy content writer and I have worked for insurance before. So I know how to deal with the nuances of wordings and terminology that's used in insurance. But Anyway, working there for an IC, I kind of got some an opportunity to work with a team. And I really liked it because I haven't done that before. I feel like as an IC, I'm always working on my own, you know. And this was my first time being part of a team and being part of a culture. And there were so many like junior writers as well there on my team as well. And they were willing to learn from me. So that's when I kind of got into this. What I do is more content ops there. You know, I wasn't realizing I was doing content ops that I got into more of the content ops stuff. And the opportunity came up to be a lead UX writer where I wouldn't say I write as much, but I do the setting up behind the scenes a lot more. How would you define, like, I, I know I asked another question before about the different paths that people in the cohort had, but we will get back to it. But I will ask you before that, how would you define content ops, like content operations? People processes there's one more basically people processes tools a lot of change management a lot of like system thinking so I kind of had to focus on all that which I've always had to do as an IC because you can't work as an IC without having the content ops in place from other companies right and I realized that was something that was needed amazing so analyzing different processes in different companies what type of tools they're using what room for improvements you could bring that's how you will define the content operations that's amazing if yeah. you if there are people in the audience that you know are looking into content ops and improving processes what type of resources or what type of mindset do you think they should have well there's a great book called leading content design I don't know if you've heard of it by Rachel Yeah, so that was a great place to start. But other than that, I think I've just learned from other people in the industries, you know, setting up mentorship calls and learning from them. There's a lot of literature, obviously, online on how to read it. But more than that, I think I have, as an IC, I've been part of many companies with different processes. So I kind of have learned which ways work and what you need to do and how important evaluation and feedback is. And, you know, having those Things in place is really important because I think initially when I was working as an IC at my current company, I realized I wasn't getting the type of feedback that I needed to do a good job. So I had to ask for it and I had to set it up. And that's kind of how I went to another division to kind of do the same over there as well. You can say no to this question, but can you give me a few examples of something specific related to content operations that, uh, that you can tell, okay, this is the type of process we had and eventually it helped us to improve our content operations? I started with just a simple process, right? Like when does the UX writer come in? Okay. So I found that the UX writer was coming in at too late a stage. I found that the UX writer wasn't being given enough resources per se, and that we would need access to different resources that maybe we didn't, other writers wouldn't even know that they had access to. So Yeah, it was about, you know, setting up one-on-ones with the right people, about learning different parts of the industry, about having, having the knowledge before it goes into design or prototype, or maybe focusing a little bit more on the problem space instead of immediately on the solution that was asked in a brief. So it was as simple as that, just figuring out where does the UX writer come in. And then we have many different divisions as well. So there was no... There was no integration be- between the divisions. So the terminology that was being used was different. So helped set up the glossary. We're in two languages, English and Bahasa Indonesia. So I had to set up a glossary and just basically 
have a review system as well in place, right? Like peer reviews. So one person, even though they're not working for that division, knows exact, kind of knows what's going on in another division solely through peer reviews and also has a chance for uh, feedback and, you know, having a culture of content crits, but in a nice way. Let's say that uh, right now I have a client. It's a, a new client to me. It's not obviously some companies don't do it right now, but they said, okay, this is our screens. Make this copy nicer. We have nine screens. Put some UX into that screen. Okay, so first of all, I need to say yes, because, you know, it's a project. So I'm saying yes to this client because I'm interested to helping them with their UX writing efforts and to, and to improve it. But let's say that you have this type of client. So... On one hand, it will be very challenging to implement content operations because I was hired for a very specific project with option for, for more stuff afterwards. So how would you approach improving content operations in this specific case where they think they know what they need, but they don't actually know what they need? You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been doing a few courses as well on ops. And it's, I think as an IC, in fact, you probably need a content ops of your own, especially as a freelance UX writer. There's a lot of material on your former podcast as well, but you will see like the really great freelance UX writers. They do have a content op model of their own. They know exactly what to get from the client, what kind of materials that they need, what kind of material that they need access to, how many calls they need to maybe set up their problem space before they jump into the solution space so that they can deliver the results they need. So Content ops, I think as a freelancer or as an individual UX writer, it's the content ops that you have within yourself. And it's about setting up the client with that expectation, right? That if you want to hire me, I need access to so-and-so and I would need maybe a follow-up call. Maybe I would need to be able to speak to your CS. Maybe I would need to see some of your analytics, you know, so I can get an idea of the problem space before I jump into the solution. Amazing. That's a very timely and great answer. So thank you for that. I think there is always room for improved the content operations. And I always look for, you know, better client onboarding, better processes and systems within myself even. Yeah. I always ask for feedback after a project. I think that's so important. And that's how I learn, like, what, what were the expectations? How well did I meet them? What could I get improvement of? That's also part of content ops, right? Figuring out how you can better your process. Right. Like iterating your own operation based on feedback, right? Yeah. Amazing. So I know that you've been working at Elodoc, which is more related to the healthcare space. So what other paths other people in the UX Running Academy cohort have? We have one who's still working as a contract UX writer. So she's happy doing that. And there's another one who's actually still in her position that she was in during the work program that we did with UX Writing Hub. So she's still there. And, you know, other people have just grown in their responsibilities as UX, in their UX writing, like they've just moved up the corporate ladder. And yeah, so whether it's a sole UX writer, or it's more into ops, like I am a working contract, or, you know, kind of wearing different hats. Um, I think UX writing is also a skill that's needed for a lot of like project management. So I do find that all of us are doing a little bit of that in addition to the jobs that we're doing. What do you think is the overlap between UX writing and project management? Collecting the resources, I would say. I don't know why, but designers are always kind of more comfortable just working in the design space. But with UX writing, I think you just have to be, you have 
to be working a little bit in the problem space. So getting those resources, collecting them all together means that you do a lot of a lot more project management work. That's a really interesting angle. And it's a nice bridge from that discussion we had about content operations, because I think all of it is basically connected. And what do you think about UX writer and the current tech space in general? So many, there is, okay, so right now we are at the end of 2022. That was a weird year because 2021 was, you know, interesting in tech, like everything grows up, a lot of company raise money, raise a lot of capital and people basically recruited a lot of people. And then now we could see a very big shift some kind of a, we can call, some people call it the bubble, the tech bubble crash. Some people call it recession. Some people call it a hiccup. I don't know. And how do you think that everything that is going on right now, looking forward to 2023, is going to impact, based on your point of view, of course, is going to impact UX writers? It's a funny time, right? I've been doing a lot of interviews as well, and I find the pool available right now very, very strong because you've had a bunch of UX writers during the growth phase, especially during COVID, you know, get a lot of experience in the tech industry because of all that growth. And what you have on the market now is a lot of great writers. And I hope that there is enough space for all of them. But I also think that, especially in tech, right, there is a clear need, no matter how small you are, no matter how small your organization is, to have that skill of a UX writer on your product. Like you can't deliver a good user experience, which is a designer anymore. It's become a necessity to have a UX writer on board as well and not overlook that. Right. It's extremely important. And not enough people talk about the, the business value of uh, UX in general and UX writing. Yes, of course. And even as you switch to a business model or, you know, as you switch towards, you know, even if we're not building as many products or growing as much as we did, there's always going to be some value in delivering a good user experience. And that could be the differentiator, right, between your product and the next. So based on your point of view, I feel like there is a very good pool of UX writers. I mean, probably like there were many, many different companies that laid off fantastic talents that are now... Yes. Based on my point of view, it looks like they didn't have a huge issue to find a job right after because there's still a lot of tech companies that didn't felt like that type of shakiness that the industry had. Most of the companies are just companies that maybe raised too much money and then recruited too much people. They had too much people yeah. and now they lay them off. They're still fantastic. Yeah, so I don't think it'll be that hard for talented UX writers to find a position. And, you know, like for me, what I always look for in when I'm trying to spot good UX talent is people who are willing to learn, you know, people who are always continue willing to grow. And I think that what sets you apart, right, as a UX writer, because there's so much you need to learn about your product, your industry. And you know what's, what other interesting thought I had right now is that I think it's also relatively way easier now than 20 years ago, for example, to start a tech company. You could, you know, play around with different tools and could make some connections and, and sell it as a service in a way, if you're creative enough. And then you can build a very strong, with great fundamentals, tech companies that eventually, you know, if you make enough money, you could hire also a team of UX people to work on it. I do think that if you want to grow and you want to learn, like... Working in a small environment is much better than a big one. Like I feel for myself, like I've always learned on smaller projects than I have in big ones. And that's how you kind of get 
buried under, right? Because there's so much bureaucracy involved and you kind of get lost within all of that. So like even from the UX writing at the cohort that we had, I feel like the ones of us who've gotten more experience are the ones who started smaller before, you know, moving ship into the bigger ones. What type of tips would you have to people that would like to get into the field? I think there are many avenues to start looking right now, right? I mean, there are lots of job posts that come out every day, but to stand out as such for me, I would look for someone, like I said, who's really active with learning, like someone who knows a variety of tools, who has actively participated, like even if it's freelance projects, like they've actually tried to start out there and get them. And even in a portfolio, like I think a lot of portfolios that I see tend to focus on, on just the UX writing process, right? Like this is how I build a flow. This is an onboarding flow, but not really like deeper case studies into this is how I approached my project. Like this is the problem that I was trying to solve. And this is how I saw, this is how I needed to solve it. So I think it's really important to spend as much time, like really explaining that you understand the design thinking process and, you know, kind of like HCD thinking. And if you want to stand out, if you want to show as you're someone who has some experience, I think you got to show that value that kind of puts you a cut above the competition. So great tips, by the way, going deeper with your case studies and not only about UX writing, but looking on like the full picture as a problem solver. And that was cool. And do you have any idea for like practical stuff for people that apply and maybe they want to increase the likelihood that they will find a job right now? It's always good to have like knowledge on HCD thinking, especially if you get to the interview stage and you can show some element of that, that would be great. But also knowing UI elements, you know, sometimes I think with the amount of UX writing resources that are out there, you do have some new writers who are not so familiar with UI components. And that's something I always look for because you should know what you're writing for, like, you know, how to work with a design system and how to work with content in a design system as well. So these are things that I think that make you stand out. Which is a nice bridge because in 2023, we are officially launching our Figma class for UX writers. It's a four weeks class, amazing instructor. Her name is Sarah Loige, UX Writing Academy alumni get 50% off. UX Writing Academy students get it for free. Check it out on our website, uxwritinghub.com. I also agree with you. And that's yeah. why we've launched this course basically yeah. to help people to get better at, you know, with design system inside of Figma files, with different plugins as well how to manage your copy inside of the design tool, how to work with components and uh, reusable components. Because to be honest, the only reason to know Figma well for UX writer is just to improve efficiency, to make sure that you're efficient yeah. and organized. That's it. Yeah, but I guess it differs from company to company as well. But I know in my part of the world, it's kind of expected that if you could say a couple of years ago that they could teach you on the job, right? Your Figma skills. But now it's sort of like a entrance into the before, you know, like a screener before you get hired that you need to know, but you need to have some knowledge of Figma and how to operate it well. Right. Like, yeah, definitely. A few years ago, it wasn't a necessity because Figma was not, was not that big a few years ago. It yeah. just became big in the last couple of years before that we had Sketch which wasn't that collaborative. It was like Figma made it way more collaborative because of like the fact that it's like Google Docs only for designers. And that's where it became a necessity to know it. 
All right. Amazing, Sherry. It was really fun to have you here today. Likewise. And I have a question for you, which is the last question, which we ask all of our guests, which is, how do you think we should name this episode? You give me an idea, Yuval. What should we call it? Let's think about it. So first of all, we did talk about content operations, which I think took the majority of the interview and also the different paths that you can, like different roads you can take as a UX writer in your career. We also talked about what the future is like for UX writers, but I don't think it was the essence of the interview. And then we talked about how to get into the field, like helping people that want to get into the field. So we went into a lot of different directions here. I think we could say something related to content operations, content ops, or the different opportunities you have in UX writing, which are not only necessarily about UX writing. It's how to grow as a UX writer, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good call. How to grow as a UX writer in a changing world or something like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so how to grow as a UX writer because we all need growth and we all need to figure out where we're going next. I like it. I think that's what we will go for. Okay. So Sherry, thank you so much for taking the time, for staying so late also to take this call. Pleasure to talk with you as always, even two years later. And I wish yes. you I wish you a lot of luck in your career, not luck, but good luck and keep doing what you're doing because I'm cheering from you from the distance. It looks really good. And I'm very happy for you for this career path that you chose. All right. Thank you so much. Well, all the best to you too. And happy new year. Happy new year.